Now, did you know that Jesus is praying for you right now? The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is in heaven interceding for you, interceding for me. He's, he's praying for us. And he wants us to join his prayers in heaven so that God's will will do, be accomplished in our lives and we'll see God do great things. And so that's really where the title of the message series came, Praying with Jesus. We want our prayers to be in keeping in accordance with the prayers that Jesus is praying for us right now. Now, when Jesus was here on this earth, he gave us various instructions on how to pray. God wants us to pray prayers that get answered. God isn't interested in us wasting our breath praying prayers that aren't going to get answered. He wants our prayers to be answered, and so he gave us instructions. And part of those instructions are found in the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is an example prayer. Uh, a prayer that teaches us basic principles about how to pray. It's not necessarily a prayer that should be prayed verbatim over and over, but it's an example prayer that we can use to pattern our prayers after. And that's what we're talking about in this message series. We're going through the different phrases in the, in the Lord's Prayer and expanding on their meaning. Today my message is called The Importance of Forgiveness. We're going to be talking about forgiveness in prayer. Now, there's really two aspects of forgiveness in prayer. We're going to be talking about both of these aspects. The first aspect is simply receiving forgiveness from God. The Bible says we've all sinned. I've sinned. I continue to sin. Uh, we all sin and we need forgiveness daily from God. The second aspect is, is not talked about as much, but it's giving forgiveness to those who have sinned against us. So there's two aspects of forgiveness mentioned in the Lord's Prayer. So today we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Now recently I read a story about forgiveness. There was a woman named Dawn Smith Jordan. And she learned about forgiveness through a very, very difficult time. Dawn's 17-year-old sister Sherry was kidnapped and murdered just two days before her high school graduation. And after the body was found, the killer found the family. He was still on the loose for over a month. And he taunted the family with phone calls, scaring them and uh, saying all kinds of wicked things. Now, eventually, the killer was caught and he was given the death sentence. And so Don and her family thought that in some ways this difficult chapter in their lives was over. And then they received a letter from the killer. He wrote them and he said that he'd become a Christian and he asked them to forgive him. Now, if you were in their shoes, what would you do? What would you think? How would you respond? Forgiveness isn't always easy, is it? We'll come back to the story in a little while. But today we're going to look at that part of the Lord's Prayer dealing with forgiveness. It's found in Matthew 6, 12. In the middle of your bulletin is a white page. I'd encourage you to take it out. It has the scriptures written out. The outline of the message on the back is uh, some study guide questions, which we're going to go over, at least in the Sunday night group. Um, the Sunday night groups, I believe, are going over those. Uh, when you go to a group, you can dig in more, uh, more deeply. 
Matthew 6, 12, Jesus instructs us to pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Again, I want to emphasize there are two parts to this request, are there not? Forgive us our debts. We're asking God to forgive our sins. And when we sin, we become indebted to God. We're going to talk about more of that in a minute. But that's involved in repentance. Repentance is admitting, saying, God, yes, I know I've done wrong. I admit it. I turn away from it. I don't want to do this anymore. Please forgive me. That's what repentance is all about. Now, the second part of this petition is, is really often ignored. It's, it's often forgotten, but it's very important. It has to do with forgiving those who have sinned against us, forgiving those who have hurt us or somebody close to us in one way or another. Now, these two aspects of forgiveness are linked in this petition that Jesus instructs us to pray. We're asking God to forgive us just as we've forgiven others. And the implication here is that if we don't forgive others, if we haven't forgiven others, then God won't forgive us. Now, in case there's any doubt in our minds about what that petition means, about what that verse means, about what the linkage is between us being forgiven and us giving forgiveness to others, Jesus makes it crystal clear in a couple of verses immediately following the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. He says, But for if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. That's pretty clear, isn't it? God's forgiveness of our sins is conditional on our forgiveness of others. And so this important truth about forgiveness seems to me is, is often lost. Now the disciples had some questions about forgiveness. And we're going to expand more on what Jesus was teaching in the Lord's Prayer uh, through this question found in Matthew 18. Peter came up to Jesus and he said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. And so Peter wanted to know the limit to forgiveness. We all tend to have our limits, don't we? Somebody does something bad to you. First time, okay, you know, I forgive you. Second time, okay, I forgive you. Third time, it's getting a little harder to forgive because they keep doing the same thing over again. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day taught that you were to forgive three times. And the fourth time, that was it. You didn't have to forgive anymore. That was the teaching of the rabbis. It wasn't found in God's word, but that's what they taught. They taught a lot of things that weren't exactly in God's word. And so Peter was being very gracious because the going wisdom was three times. He said, Lord, should I forgive seven times? That's more than twice what the going rate was, you see, for forgiveness. And God says, no, Peter, you've got it all wrong. Not seven times, but 77 times. Now, was Jesus saying, you know, count up 73, 74? No, he was saying that our forgiveness needs to be unlimited. There should be no limit to our forgiveness. And so today we're going to look at a parable that Jesus told immediately after he answered Peter's question. 
it further illustrates the principle of how we are to forgive others, how our forgiveness is to be unlimited. It's often called the parable of the unmerciful servant. So I believe Jesus wants to teach us something this morning, and so let's have ears to hear. The first principle we're going to learn from this story or this parable is that God has and has had great mercy on us. Great mercy. Jesus begins the parable in verse 23. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. Jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of heaven. There's two kingdoms in this world. There's the kingdom of heaven, led by, king, uh, by God, who is the king, and there's the kingdom of Satan, uh, ruled by uh, kingdom of darkness, ruled by Satan. Now, as we're going to see that our God, our king, is incredibly merciful, he's incredibly forgiving. And that's very important because as we go through this story, God wants to teach us some lessons that will help us understand how to receive his forgiveness and uh, also to give it. On Judgment Day, each of us will be called to stand before our King and to give an account of our lives. We'll be given an account of how we have stewarded the resources that God has given to us. The time that we've had here on earth, the abilities that He's given us, uh, the, the financial resources, everything that He's given us, we have to give an account of how we've used it for God. We owe God an unpayable debt. And so this king is going to settle accounts with his servants. The first servant is going to be called in. And Jesus wants you and I to identify with his first servant. It says, as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And so this first servant was called in before the king and he had this debt of 10,000 talents. Now anybody know how much a talent was? Okay, we don't deal in those kind of numbers, do we? We, we deal in millions, billions, trillions. Well, they dealt in talents back then. How big was a talent? Well, a laborer's wages in those days for one day was one denarius. And that's what a typical person made every day, one denarius. There were 6,000 denarii in one talent. 6,000. So one talent would take about half a lifetime to earn that much money. 10,000 talents was equivalent to 60 million denarii. That's a huge sum. Now some people try to translate it into you know, how many billions or how many, you know, of dollars it would be today. And that also always changes as the, you know, price of silver or gold goes up and down. But 10,000 was the largest numeral in the Greek language. Okay, there was no Greek word for a bigger number. So that was the biggest number Jesus could have used. And talent was the biggest unit of, uh, of money that he could have used. So he put together the the biggest words he could have possibly used. It's just like us saying it was trillions and trillions. That's what Jesus was saying. It was an incredible amount of money. And so this debt was unfathomable. It was completely unpayable. How this man racked up this debt, we don't know. That's really not the point of the story. But he could never, ever have paid it back in a, a hundred lifetimes. 
It was way beyond him. And so the king ordered the man and his family sold into slavery to work a lifetime. They'd never, able, never be able to come close to paying off the debt. So he would be uh, working as a slave forever. But God grants forgiveness if you ask. So this servant uh, knew he was in a serious condition. It says in verse 26, The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And so the servant asked for mercy. He said, I'm going to pay him back, which, of course, that was a foolish thing to say because it's just like me saying, I'm going to pay back a, a billion dollars. It's never going to happen. And so the master did not say, well, I'll give you some more time because he knew there's no way this man could ever, ever pay this debt back. And so he simply canceled the debt. He said, okay, I'm going to show mercy to you. I'm canceling the debt. You don't owe me this 10,000 talents anymore. It's, it's, you are set free. Uh, you're completely forgiven. Completely and entirely forgiven. And so in this first part of the parable, as I've said, Jesus wants us to identify with this first servant. We owe God, our king, an enormous debt. A debt which is completely impossible for any of us to pay. And what is that debt? Well, that debt is our sin. The Bible teaches us that each and every one of us has sinned. And the penalty or debt for that sin is death, eternal death, separation from God in a in a place called hell. And there's nothing that we can do to make amends for even one little sin. One little sin condemns us in the court of eternal justice to hell. And there's nothing we can do to pay. There's nothing we can do to get out of it. Our eternal fate is sealed. But when we ask for forgiveness, as, as this first servant did, God forgives us. He cancels the debt of our sin. In a minute, we're going to see you know, how he can do that and still be just. And so rather than facing eternal death and eternity in a, in a terrible place called hell, he now makes available to us eternal life. Well, that's wonderful. God has great mercy if we ask for his forgiveness, just as that first servant did. And so whether a person has told one little lie in their lifetime, or they're a serial murderer, they each owe an unpayable debt to God. Some of the hardest people to become believers are those who, who think they are good people. They compare themselves to others and they think they're better, and maybe they are. But yet each and every person has sinned. Some other people think they're too bad to be forgiven. They've done too many bad things, but even the biggest of debts can be forgiven by God if we just ask. And so if you're a believer this morning, we ought to be thanking God for forgiving, for forgiving our unpayable debt of sin. It's an enormous debt. And if you're not, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of the message to accept His forgiveness into your life. And so God has great mercy for those who ask for His forgiveness. Next, we need to understand the foolishness of unforgiveness. Jesus' parable takes kind of a unique twist here, and he, 
he wants us to begin to look at our responsibility to forgive others who sin against us. Jesus wants us to clearly understand the, the foolishness, the absurdity of not forgiving other people. He wants us to never say, I can't forgive that person. I don't know how many times I've had people come up and say, I can't forgive that person. I, I've been hurt too badly. That's not a good thing to say, as we'll see. Because if we don't forgive, it will have tragic consequences in our own life and in our eternity. When somebody sins against you or somebody hurts you, we need to understand that the debt that others owe us is very, very small. Let's go back to the parable that Jesus is teaching us here. It says, but when that servant, this is the first servant, a servant that was forgiven this enormous debt of 10,000 talents. It says, when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And so in this parable, the first servant went out. He found another servant who owed him 100 denarii. Now that wasn't a small amount of money. It's 100 days wages. I mean, that's a pretty significant amount of money. Uh, but when you contrast 100 denarii to, to 10,000 talents or 60 million denarii, it's, it's nothing. This man could have paid back 100 denarii, given some time, uh, given, some, uh, given some mercy, given some forgiveness. But what happened next? His fellow servant, in verse 29, fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. This is the first servant refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. So we're going to see that unforgiveness proves you really haven't received forgiveness. The words of this second servant be patient with me and I'll pay you back, are almost exactly the same words the first servant said to his master when he had this huge debt and was going to be thrown into prison forever. But yet, the first servant showed absolutely no mercy at all. He did not forgive his fellow servant. He had him thrown into prison. The other servants saw and they knew something was wrong with that picture and so they went and told the master... We're going to see what the master thought of it in a minute. But let's look a little more closely at the, at the foolishness of not forgiving somebody else. What Jesus wants us to think about this morning is, is a contrast between the debt that we owe God for our sin and the debt that others owe us by sinning against us. Now we tend to minimize our own debt to God. We look at somebody else and say, well, you know, I, I did a few things, but hey, look at that guy I read about in the newspaper. I mean, I'm nothing like that guy. And so we tend to minimize our own debt. And then when somebody hurts us, we, we maximize, you can't believe what that person did to me. I've been so hurt. I could never forget. I could never forgive. We maximize the debt that others have to us, towards us. But when we truly realize how much we've been forgiven, when we truly realize 
how great the debt we owe God, then we can show grace to those who hurt us. We can forgive those who sin against us. How big was our debt? Your sin and my sin was so big that God had to send His one and only Son to this earth to die, to pay the penalty. That's how big the penalty was. Nobody else could have paid the penalty. It took the death of God's Son to pay the penalty for your sin and my sin. If you were the only person who ever lived on this planet and you sinned, God still would have had to send Jesus to die for your sin. That's the only way it could be forgiven. That's how big your debt of sin was. And so this morning, think about if there's any person in your life that you're having trouble forgiving. You'll know who it is when you see their face in your head. You're angry at them. You remember what they did. You're bitter. You, maybe you don't want to talk to them. Maybe you don't want to see them at all. You really haven't forgiven them. It might be somebody who's hurt you. It might be somebody who's hurt somebody in your family. They might have even done it intentionally. But God wants you to recognize that the debt they owe you is small compared to the debt that you owe God. And so, forgiveness is required of you. Forgiveness is required of me. And so this morning, my prayer is that nobody here would ever say, I can't forgive that person. Or I won't forgive that person. Really, that's more accurate. You can forgive. You just won't when we don't. But I pray that none of us ever say that again. What Jesus is teaching us in the Lord's Prayer and is teaching in the verses immediately after the Lord's Prayer and in this parable, is that forgiving others is required of us by God. We must forgive as we've been forgiven. So how did the Master react to the first servant not forgiving his fellow servant? I said, then the Master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt, all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And so the master calls in the first servant, the one he's forgiven 10,000 talents, this enormous sum of money, billions upon billions of dollars. He called him a wicked servant. This is the one he just forgiven. He said, you wicked servant. Why was he wicked? He was wicked because this first servant had been shown great mercy by the king, by the master. He'd been forgiven. His account had been wiped clean. The debt had been paid. And just as he'd been shown mercy, the master expected him to show mercy on his fellow servant who owed him a very small amount. And this was not just a suggestion by the master. This was a, a requirement. It was re it's required of every person who claims to be a believer because the consequences of an unforgiveness, of us not forgiving somebody else, are are terrible. In fact, preachers don't preach on this parable very much. Has anybody ever heard of a sermon on this parable before? I don't, it's not preached on very much. It's too hard for people. It says, those without mercy will be eternally tormented. 
It says, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus adds this conclusion. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. And so the master threw this first servant, the one he had initially forgiven, he threw him into prison, not just to be confined, but to be tortured. It says until he could pay back all he owed. Could he ever pay that back? No. That was, Jesus was speaking of eternal torment. He was speaking of basically hell. Eternal torture of hell is reserved for those who do not show mercy by forgiving those who sin against them. That's what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus makes it clear that's how God the Father will deal with us. The parable has an application in real life. It applies to you and me. The Father will deal with us just as the Master dealt with this wicked first servant if we don't forgive. And so what happened to this first servant in this story? The forgiveness he received from the Master was revoked, was it not? It was taken back. And he was said, you're going to have to pay this debt, which he could never pay. He was now liable for that entire debt, and he couldn't repay it for an eternity. And so the Lord's Prayer, Jesus' statements after the Lord's Prayer, this parable, all point to the truth that our forgiveness from God is conditional on whether we forgive. I believe that if a person doesn't have a heart to forgive others, then it proves we really haven't received and appreciated God's forgiveness of us. Those who have truly received and appreciated God's forgiveness will demonstrate the same mercy that they've received. They'll prove that they are sons and daughters of their Heavenly Father because they'll act like He acts. He forgives even the greatest of debts, even the most heinous of sins. If people sincerely ask, for forgiveness. And we ought to do the same. And so every time you ask for, for God's forgiveness in prayer, make sure you've forgiven everyone that sinned against you. Make sure you're not holding bitterness or a grudge in your heart against someone. Forgiveness is required of all of us. Now, we began the message with a story about Dawn, whose sister was murdered. And the murderer asked Dawn for forgiveness. Now, she struggled. She struggled with forgiving him for a period of time. About two years, she just couldn't do it. She was a believer, but she finally came to the realization that she was to forgive just as Jesus had forgiven her. And so she wrote the murderer a letter. And she told him because of the grace that she'd received in her own life, because of what Jesus had done for her, because he had forgiven her, she could forgive him. Now, I don't think any of us faces a, a debt as big as she faced to have to forgive. But whatever's happened in your life, God wants you to forgive that person who's hurt you. Forgive that person who's sinned against you just as he's forgiven you.
we need to learn what it means to truly pray. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Now to receive God's forgiveness, we need to ask Him for it in the first place. The first servant asked God for forgiveness and that was the right thing to do. We admit that we've sinned. We believe Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt so that He could forgive us. And we commit our lives to following Him. And one important aspect of following Jesus Christ is forgiving others just as God has forgiven us. So let's bow our heads right now. If you're not sure you have a relationship with God, or you want to recommit your life to Him this morning, I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say, Father, today I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things. And I owe an unpayable debt. But I believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, took my sin upon himself, and paid that debt. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you, to walking your ways, to living as a son or daughter of my Heavenly Father. And for those of us who are believers, let's, let's pray that God would help us to forgive as He forgives. Father, we thank You for Your great forgiveness of our sins. We owed You an enormous debt that we couldn't possibly repay, but You had mercy. You had pity on us. And even though we deserved to spend eternity in hell, You forgave us. You sent Jesus to die and pay our debt. And we're eternally grateful for that. I pray, God, that each person here that has received your forgiveness would have the courage to forgive everyone who's hurt them, to forgive everyone who's sinned against them. May we forgive God as we have been forgiven. Show us how to spread the truth of your forgiveness to more and more people. We pray, God, that this church would continue to grow in spreading your truth uh, in the St. Louis area. Thank you for your forgiveness. Help us to be people of grace, people of mercy, people known for forgiving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.